deep in London's beating heart lies a wall A locked door it be if you know the call For if the wall steps aside, be not afraid of what you see Cause the wizard world is opened up as has the Griffin's dream Hello everyone and welcome to the Shrieking Shack This is a Harry Potter reread podcast for lapsed fans I'm your host Cece And I'm Liz and Liz, I very nearly did the exact same thing you did mm. introducing our bonus episode this mm. week. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I nearly said, I'm Liz. And and that would have been... We, 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 I'm, we, I'm glad we both uh, uh, avoided this, um, this uh, mix-up. Right. But at the same time, uh, uh, there's something very powerful about us both nearly making the same mistake here. Yeah. And then I, I would have had to say your name, and it would have been really confusing. A little switcheroo. Would, the old, the old switcheroo. But hey, we're on the hundred and first episode, so if there's any, if there's any time for a reinvention, you know, it's now. Right. Uh, we, you know, we talked a big game about you know not having to do ad reads on the podcast uh-huh. or anything like that. But hey, it's episode one hundred and one. Maybe, maybe we start now. Maybe we start advertising for Zillow or something. Mm, we or... could abandon our values, is what you're saying. <laughs> It's a, it, it's 101. No rules. We're we're beyond the pale here. Uh-huh. Uh huh. There's no more rules once you're at uh, 101. That's what I say. That's that sounds true. Um, but no, I think I think we are going to stick to our values and stick to our morals and uh, and just keep doing keep doing the show. Yeah, you know? we'll see. Uh, we've got a lot of news to tackle here, so it's a good thing that we are sticking with the old format, because if we put it anywhere other than the front of the episode, I think we might uh, run out of space. Right. J.K. Rowling uh, has been in the news again. Surprisingly, not for anything fucked up or stupid, she said. Hmm. For once. This headline broke a few days ago and really truly confused me and i guess i'm still confused and i guess we don't really (laughs) know how true or not true it is until we get our hands on the new robert galbraith book the new corman strike right so i as as everyone listening knows i uh i have some google alert set up i've you know i have my harry potter google alert i have my jk rowling google alert so i'll 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 get i'll get a buzz whenever a headline appears this time i was truly baffled cuz this was a new uh this is a new source i had never gotten a a alert from the new indian express before sure but nevertheless, this was the the headline of the article. Uh, Bengal Youth is the lead character in J.K. Rowling's next novel. Nature Prasad Sharma, a Class X dropout from Pampu Basti in West Bengal's Buxa Tiger Reserve Forest, received an international call a few days ago. He could hardly believe himself when the caller identified herself as J.K. Rowling, the world-renowned British author of the Harry Potter series. Mm-hmm. This is already crazy. Like, I... <laughs> Just this paragraph alone is, I when I when I saw this, I like had to double check. And I was like, okay, I know nothing about like Indian news, right? Like, I I don't know if this is like, am I reading the Indian Onion? Is this a is this a parody site? Like, sure. I, I I I have no idea uh, what I'm dealing with here. But no, apparently this is this is a mm-hmm. uh, not a joke site or anything. So on we go. Rowling told Sharma, who works as a tour guide in the Reserve Forest Zone, that she wanted to feature him as the main character in her upcoming novel. 
after the call, what? she right. This <laughs> keeps on getting more ridiculous. Rowling told Sharma, who works as a tour guide in the Reserve Forest Zone, that she wanted to feature him as the main character in her upcoming novel. Okay. After the call, she sent Sharma a 272-page draft of the novel with a request to meet her in California to discuss the finer details about his life and work. Okay. She helped. Yeah, I'm so. This the. Yeah, the amount of bizarre details in here that make it like, 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 spoiler alert, uh, uh, you know, this article has been updated and, and apparently this is untrue, but in the, uh, the way that it is, has been confirmed to be untrue only really raises more questions. Like I, I, this is a this is a mystery. I think we might be following for a while. Right. I mean, on its face, this is untrue. Right. Like uh, obviously. Uh, I mean, like, several details. Uh, J.K. Rowling, even if you know she was doing research and talking to to people, she's not about to send her draft of her novel to some like rando that she's never met. Right. Yeah. She's not going to send people the draft a draft of her novel. I mean, like unless she's doing work on set in like LA or something like why would she meet someone in California especially someone who is in India which is it would be a lot you know easier for them to meet somewhere closer right she's in the UK like just just really eyebrow raising details here but but uh I I will continue um she helped me get a passport and my visa application approved I am California bound this July said Sharma the seed of Sharma's journey from uh, from Buxa to California was sown a year ago when a group of six U.S. students visited the Tiger Reserve. They were impressed by Sharma's knowledge of the wildlife, including his ability to track the location of wild animals. After the tour ended, the students interviewed him for more than an hour. During the interview, recorded on camera, he narrated his plight, how he stopped pursuing higher education because of a financial crisis at home, and how his love for nature made him a tour guide. After the students left, I got busy with my profession and forgot about them, recounted Sharma. A few days ago, I received a call from one of the students named Laura. She told me that J.K. Rowling wanted to speak. I could not believe myself. Rowling wanted to portray me in her next novel after watching the interview by my by those students. Okay. Okay. So, okay. Uh, so before we get into the update... Let's just list all of the things that make no sense and are patently untrue about this. Sure. Uh, so, as you say, J.K. Rowling, no matter how how moved or whatever she felt by someone's life story, would not just send a 272-page novel draft to them. No. It's never going to happen. Um, because we know um, the central tenet of her works, her collected works, is... Uh, keep the secrets. So I would say that this <laughs> right. would be just huge potential to not keep the secrets. Mm-hmm. She would never do that in a million years. Not even, not even in the sense that, like, oh, I bet this guy's gonna leak it. I bet she'd go like, no, I don't want to spoil it. Right. <laughs> like, exactly. She, she, even, she probably wouldn't even do that for him. No. Um. Two. Meeting in California again. I guess you could plausibly stretch this to say like, oh she's busy working on the movie she's in LA or something but that's 
that is a stretch, I think. Yes. Uh, next, she helped me get a passport and my visa application approved. Hmm. Like, what? She, like... <laughs> Like called up the U.S. immigration's office and like, "Hello, I'm a I'm a U.K. citizen, but you've got to help me get this guy a U.S. passport." Hello, and I I've... am the Queen of England. Um, buy money rights, and <laughs> I'm faxing you uh, the forms. So <laughs> you will be giving this guy a visa. Uh, uh, who is from not America and also not from the UK, so I can't really help anyone in this situation. Other, so again, ridiculous. No idea what what this what this story is talking about. But then there's this part about students being moved by his story and interviewing him and calling him. So number one. Who are these students and what is their connection to J.K. Rowling? Mm-hmm. If this is like, like, okay, not even because one, I don't believe that they're, they're real. I, this can't be real, right? Correct. But if we if we are to accept that that this is a real story, or if we are trying to figure out what the grift here is, mm. right? Um, yeah. Wh- what is the connection between these American college students and J.K. Rowling? Right. Like, are they her... Like, I, I, none of her kids are college age. Yeah, I think her oldest kid has got to be, like, 15, 16 at this point. So they're not in college. They're not in the U.S. in college either. I J.K. Rowling, I mean, like, maybe they met her... Again, the, 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 the thinnest connection here is maybe they met her in L.A. while she was working on the movie. And she was like, hello, I'm working on Fantastic Beasts. <laughs> Would you? <laughs> I, I, I'm gonna go out and enjoy some of the local flavor. I'm gonna go meet some college students. <laughs> like what? What? <laughs> we know that can't be true because I think the minute the J.K. Rowling would step out in public in like L.A., there would probably be a million pictures of her, right? So that 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 my brain's imploding reading this thing. Yeah. Um, but then the. Okay. So, so there are multiple uh, 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 angles I guess I could see this from. One, this really happened, sort of, and these college students are insanely mean. That's kind of one of my thoughts, right? Like, we're going to pull a prank on this guy yeah, and, and tell him that we know J.K. Rowling. But then that wouldn't explain the, the part where... Uh, uh, he says she called him and also helped him get a visa and passport. Like, unless these college students are really dedicated to this shitty prank, that doesn't make any sense. What What is the YouTube, like, title of that video? I don't know. There's no link to it. Like, like that's the other part, is that I can't find this video anywhere. No, I mean, like, what's the prank video called? What's oh, the, the oh. hypothetical prank video? Like, J.K. Getting JK tour Rowling. guide's hopes up, gone wrong. Right. But also yeah. securing him a passport somehow. <laughs> helping, helping, helping tour guide get passport and visa, but for <laughs> uh, spurious reasons, gone sexual. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Th- then there's the opposite angle. Like, is this guy lying? In which case, why? 
when I, like, why would you lie about this? Not only, like, insanely ridiculous idea, but something that will become, like, disproven as soon as her next book comes out. Uh, right. Think of think of the lies that we could make for Cloud. If I mean, like, why? <laughs> but we could be like, oh, we got a call from J.K. Rowling over the weekend, and she said cease and desist, but we right. won't. <laughs> right. Just stirring yeah. up some drama. Uh, so, so that's confusing. Now, yes. the update is even more confusing. Okay. Because according... To the like new version of the article, there's there's a there's an update, but this is all it says. Never happened. Don't know how it spiraled out. Says Buxa Guide at the center of it all. That's it. What? That's the only yeah. That's that's the only update. It just ne- never happened. Don't know how it spiraled out. I would like to know more about how it spiraled out. To be yeah, honest. I would love to know about how this spiraled out, why, what the source is. And then there's also this part, and MuggleNet says this, and they quote it, but I can't find, I cannot find the quote Wait, they are. Wait, MuggleNet picked up this story? Yeah, MuggleNet, MuggleNet <laughs> uh, 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 picked this up. They had, is J.K. Rowling writing about a tiger reserve guide? <laughs> MuggleNet cannot catch a break. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but, but yeah, the MuggleNet article notes... Uh, an update from the Times of India, however, stated that the story was the result of a series of mistranslations, which is even less believable to me. Like, how does that... What what possible <laughs> mistranslations get you there? Get you to, oh, J.K. Rowling <laughs> called me on the phone and had a job for me. <laughs> and sent me a 272-page draft <laughs> of a novel. This is... Yeah, this is nuts. This is uh, we we like like this th- this week. I don't know if you were following this at all. Uh, we ha- there was the there was the Twitter drama of like did Pete Buttigieg's campaign manager pretend to be a Nigerian guy? Right. Like, th- that th- whole thing was going on, and like that that was interesting and funny, and like I was having a good time following that. But like what I wanted was more. On this drama, I want to know what the mistranslations are, if that's real. I want to know who these college students are, if they're real, and, like, were they being mean? Or I want to know, is this true? Because then, right after all this happened, J.K. Rowling retweeted Robert Galbraith's account, which I actually did not know that she had an in-character Robert Galbraith account. And I wonder if Robert Galbraith has any uh, uh, transphobic likes or anything that we could figure out. yeah. (laughs) Um, But no, so she retweeted the Robert Galbraith account saying that the fifth Galbraith crime novel, Troubled Blood, will be published on 29th September. More details to come very soon, including the the, uh, final jacket art. Are you excited for the next chapter in Strike and Robin's story? And like, the cover is yet to be revealed. And like, as ridiculous as this whole story has sounded, if... This cover gets revealed, and there's a fucking tiger on it. I'm gonna lose my fucking mind because <laughs> that's the other possibility. Like, the, the other most ridiculous possibility here is that all of this is true, and the reason that the update is so like nothing or whatever is because this guy wasn't supposed to leak this news yet. 
Because, like, the timing of this, like, like, this article came out on 15th February. And then J.K. Rowling announced the title of the fifth book on February 18th, I think, Mm -hmm. looking at the, the time here. So, like, maybe there was, like, some miscommunication where, like, this was actually real. These college students did hook this guy up with J.K. Rowling's phone number. She did get him a passport. He is, he was interviewed for his experiences to be worked into this book somehow. I don't know. Like, like that. that is such a crazy stretch. But, like, maybe that's why the update is so hasty. And it's just like, oh, I don't know. Like, oops. Because <laughs> it, it is true. And he's just trying to da- damage control. I have no clue. I but 100% it is. think that, that is not going to be the case. But I hope that it is. Because that would be, that would be crazy. I yeah, would love we, that. We will find out, I suppose. Let's see. Uh, 29th of September is when the book comes out. But, you know, we will get the cover of the book before then. But, yeah, I am fascinated by this. I want to know... Who is lying in this story? Because someone is, right? Like, like, like at some point in this bizarre chain of events, a lie was told, but I cannot, cannot figure out exactly where. Yeah. Is it this guy? Is it the college students? Is it this guy again, but because he didn't he wasn't supposed to talk about this thing that actually like there there's so many possibilities here but all of them are ridiculous and and the i'm pumped up this is this is the most this is the juiciest jk rowling story we've gotten in a long time that doesn't involve her just being awful right yeah although maybe it does (laughs) yeah probably i i suspect that the cormoran strike novels are going to be her chance to be truly mask off and get more and more heinous as they go go along. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, like, we already they already are the silkworm, right? That's uh, already that's a, in there. Yeah, yeah. But I, I think that now that she is mask off, I think she's going to just kind of use those to talk about what's on her mind. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I don't know, but it is truly, truly fascinating. We have one more piece of news here. Sure. Uh, it was this was a loaded, yeah. a loaded week. Uh huh. So I mentioned Pete Buttigieg and his campaign earlier. Uh-huh. I would like I would like to go. You know, I'm sure it is obvious. I'm withering like to go, live on air. <laughs> I would like to to confirm uh, that we do not endorse Pete Buttigieg for president. <laughs> Just going to, in case anyone was wondering, in case anyone had a, had a doubt there. We are a non. We are not a nonprofit, so we're we're allowed to endorse uh, uh, candidates, I suppose. But uh, the Harry Potter Alliance, uh, which we have, you know, we've encountered before, they have ten of my dollars because I needed a copy of uh, Hank Green's incredible short story, "The Womb of Requirement." But they're they're a nonprofit charity uh, uh, that does like Harry Potter themed fundraising stuff for you know I will say some good causes uh, they you know they donate to to races or however however it is that you're supposed to pronounce the the, the R A I C E S uh, Foundation um, uh, and other causes but they commit the cardinal sin of being uh, just the most corny organization in on the planet and they cemented this reputation this week. Uh, by launching the Granger 2020 campaign. Mm. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. 
And what is that? The Granger 2020 campaign is a fake presidential campaign where they have hired an actress to portray Hermione Granger running for president of the United States with a visionary political agenda for social justice in the United States. Together, we can rewrite and reclaim the story of democracy. Have they said what they that visionary social justice agenda is? Uh, or just that it is? It's, I mean, it's vague, right? It is, it is, it is your, your typical bog standard, uh, don't, don't like Trump stuff, which for sure, right? Like, like that, that is maybe the least objectionable part of this. It is, they're, they're, they're raising some money for, let's, let's find out, uh, platform. Hermione knows the story belongs to all of us, and so all of us must work together to author her platform. Oh, so they actually don't have a platform for her yet. Author her platform and set a visionary policy agenda for social justice in the United States. Through public imagination and consultations with experts on the front lines of social justice work, her platforms will highlight the interwoven causes of injustice in America and imagine a version of the story where our policy is rooted in compassion and equality. So, I mean, good, I guess. But why? Why? Why this? <sighs> it's time to reclaim our history. Hermione Granger and a coalition of grassroots organizations are leading a visionary policy agenda for social justice in the United States. Her campaign highlights the interwoven causes of inter injustice in America, calls for candidate accountability to these injustices, uh, and trains and mobilizes magical people across the nation for canvassing, voting, and running for their own local and national offices. So this is... This is a this is voter die, right? This is okay. Yeah, this is not. They are not endorsing anyone specific. I mean, like the the, the closest you'll get is that uh, it is supported by Act Blue, so it is of course you know it, it is a it is a democratic uh, 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 leaning campaign. But the most that they can say is we endorse the concept of voting, uh, as stated hmm. in their FAQ. Why don't you endorse my favorite candidate? As a nonprofit, the Harry Potter and Alliance cannot endorse or denounce specific real life candidates running for election. <laughs> okay. But we can do just about everything else, including run voter registration drives, help turn voters out to the polls, support ballot initiatives, speak out on key pieces of legislation, help young voters figure out when and where to vote, and much more. So we're going to do all that, and we're going to do it under the imaginative guidance of Hermione Granger. If you found a candidate that reflects your values and you want to campaign for them, we want you to do that. You can even use the skills we'll be practicing through Granger 2020, supporting a candidate you love, plus adding a touch of magic. Win-win. So, uh, support all the troops, both sides, is what I'm support, hearing. Supporting the, the concept of getting involved in politics. And, like, okay, I get it. They, it's, it is true. They are a nonprofit. They can't say, uh, hey, vote for so-and-so. I understand. But the real election is, like, happening now. The campaigns are happening now. If you are going to volunteer for, you know, a candidate, if you are going to canvas, please do that for a real candidate, right? And and maybe more specifically, please do it for Bernie Sanders and not Hermione Granger, I would say, maybe. I think it's wild. It's it's wild to like, and not to get too galaxy brain about this, but it is it is crazy to me to have this like Harry Potter based like voter die campaign during like the first 
uh, probably in my like voting history that I'm not just like, yeah, roll your eyes and vote Democrat no matter what. Like, right. like splitting. For, and I, I'm like, wow, I can't like that is the, the place that that I'm at. It, it just feels so out of touch. This is some like end of again, it's the voter die thing. It's some end of history. None of this really matters. It's all a joke. And it's like, no, I like I actually really fucking do care which Democratic candidate gets nominated this time. Right. Like, like th- this is a this is the most do or die situation you could possibly be in here. And I don't want anyone wasting their fucking time on a Harry Potter themed LARP about it, you know? Yeah. Even if it's clear that they care about some important issues there, you know, there's a lot of stuff in here about immigration and like, you know, illegal internment at the border and stuff, but like, I want to grab them by the shoulders and shake them and say like, like, please take this seriously. And the the best part of this too, is that there is in the FAQ, there is a a segment uh, titled "Ugh, I hate how millennials and Gen Z compare everything to Harry Potter. Go read another book. We'll be honest. This probably isn't the campaign for you, and that's okay. You can check out the non-wizarding <laughs> work, uh, the ACLU, Protect Democracy, Craig Newmark Philanthropies, and Act Blue are doing. Or you can connect with a campaign or organization working in your community to make change that inspires you. Okay, that is all good stuff. I am not like... I don't want to shit on the idea of like doing activism, right? But like with the limited bandwidth people have right now in this election at this time, this feels so bad. Just do just join a real do real canvassing. Imagine getting a knock at the door and opening it and it's someone canvassing for Hermione Granger to raise awareness of like <laughs> Just, right. just broadly, I think that, like, like the answer is kind of missing the point, which is not really that I'm out here going like, oh, this is cringe. It's much right. more like we need to, we need to shift this idea of people thinking about like their favorite politicians like they're in a fandom. Yes, absolutely. Like 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 we've said, like the idea that uh, uh, this is a time, this is the time and place for like fun, goofy character role play stuff without actually saying anything specific about the election i think is like childish at best yes this feels like self-parody and i know that they i know that they've they've insulated themselves from criticism with this uh please don't tell us to read another book thing but i'm gonna say one read another book yes and 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 two hermione granger I'm, i'm calling on hermione granger to drop out and endorse bernie sanders I I agree with that. I, I also I like they, I think they they really are just kind of missing the point, but also they're consistent in that this is the exa- this is like this is the Harry Potter mindset, right? It's the it's oh, yeah. the snake eating its own tail kind of. <laughs> Cuz you know, e- even this this uh initiative like the first sentence here it says including the skill to take what they love about an imperfect story and imagine endless new versions of it. Interesting. So like they knew writing this, that like, this is a bad time to be like squaring your politics around Harry Potter. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I feel like 
it it's maybe time time to let go of Hermione Granger as like an aspirational <laughs> political figure, but that's just me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, she can be a good character, and you can interpret yeah, she her. Not, and... She isn't really, but that's all right. <laughs> we can, we can, hey, look. Well, I will I will give them that much. I will for the sake of of being nice. I will say there's a lot you can like about this character, but this this idea that she is like the perfect political leader is weird it's just weird right like it's just it it feels inappropriate she did become the minister of magic in canon right uh yeah, okay i cannot remember which way around it is she either she did and then it was retcon that she didn't or she didn't, and then it was retcon that she did. I can't remember which way around it is. I will go to the Harry Potter wiki. Hell to Find yes. out about her post-Hogwarts life. It's a very yeah. long article in that it summarizes everything she does across <laughs> seven books. Minister for Magic. Sometime before 2019, Hermione became the new Minister for Magic. Given elections generally occur every seven years and Shacklevolt was appointed in 1997, it is likely that his first election took blah, 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 blah. Oh, there's a lot of Cursed Child lore in here. Yeah, I was like, I can't remember if Cursed Child retconned it that she did become or didn't become the minister. She, she, be- she is the minister for magic in Cursed Child. Okay, so that was the And there are the some retcon, scenes of her in the, in her office as the minister. Okay, yeah, because I, I, I remember I thought that the lore for the longest time was that she became the headmaster well, at Hogwarts. Well, that might be because uh, the cursed child is just the butterfly effect. <laughs> okay, well, that was a very long news segment, but we had a lot to cover there. Um, how about we talk about our chapter for this week? Yeah, let's do it. Um, this week we read chapter 19, uh, and it was called... Elf Tales, Tales spelled T-A-I-L-S. I still can't figure that out. I will um, give you my theory when we get there. Lots exciting. Um, everyone is visiting Ron in the hospital wing, because uh, as we remember from last week, he was poisoned. Uh, Fred and George are also there. Um, they happen to be in the area because they were going to surprise Ron at Hogsmeade. Um, for his birthday, and they were also going to buy Zonkos, um, but they didn't do that. Um, Hermione is very upset that Ron almost died. Uh, this is this is there to you know she's she's realizing how much she values him after being mad and and blah blah blah. She's very upset. Um, they all kind of uh, like as they're sitting in the hospital wing, they put their heads together to kind of talk about uh, what's the deal with that poison? Who was it meant for? Was it who like did someone try to poison Slughorn? Was Slughorn trying to poison someone? Um, was Slughorn trying to poison Ron? Was Slughorn trying to poison Harry? Did someone else try to give the poison to Slughorn to give to Dumbledore to poison Dumbledore? Um, or maybe Slughorn was under the Imperious curse. Um, Hermione speculates um, that the the uh, uh, locket that um, hurt a car- K- Katie Bell is that who it was um, was probably it's probably by the, like the same the same person uh, and that they're clearly very dangerous since they don't seem to care uh, if any like collateral damage happens. Um, Harry and Hermione end up leaving the hospital wing. Ron is unconscious, and um, and Ron's parents are there, so they leave to kind of give 
uh, Ron's family some alone time with him. So they leave with Hagrid. Um, and Hagrid spent some time, uh, talking about how he's worried that the school is going to get shut down. It was, it was already, uh, kind of a hard sell, um, to get families to have the, the kids come to Hogwarts because the dangerous times that they're in. Uh, and this is just like, uh, the Chamber of Secrets all over again. Um, and Hagrid accidentally let slip that Dumbledore and he overheard Dumbledore and Snape arguing and Harry kind of needles them until he tells the story, which is that. Um, Snape and Dumbledore were, were arguing and Snape was really mad at Dumbledore and saying that he doesn't want to do it anymore. Um, and Harry, Harry has a, has a think about that one. What could they have been arguing about? Um, Harry's, Harry's thinking about that. Um, but as he gets back to the common room, he's immediately approached by McLoggan, um, McLaggen, uh, who demands to be put on the Quidditch team, is basically like, yeah, your your keeper is in the hospital wing, and I was the second best at tryouts, so it's me, right? And Harry says, like, yeah, okay. Um, Harry is still obsessed with tracking down Draco uh, to find out what the hell he's up to, uh, but he's just he's just not making any headway on that one. And meanwhile, he's really bothered by Lavender Brown, who is just driving him up the wall, asking about Ron, not understanding why she wasn't invited to go visit Ron, um, saying that Hermione's visiting Ron, uh, and and she is his girlfriend, and she blah blah blah. And, and Harry's so annoyed with her. Um, and then she also kind of mentions that every time that she goes and visits Ron, he's asleep. Um, before the ga- the Quidditch game starts, um, Harry runs into Draco, who is hanging out with two girls. He doesn't, and what's what is up with that? He's not going to the Quidditch game. Why doesn't he care about Quidditch? Um, but Harry uh, is very bummed out that he can't just follow Malfoy. He doesn't really care about Quidditch as much as what Malfoy's up to. Um, the Quidditch game happens. Uh, Luna Lovegood is commentating uh, this game, and it's very funny. Um, but McLagan, McLagan, ruins the game by trying to be the captain and trying to boss everyone around and screaming at everyone on the Gryffindor team that they suck really bad. Um, and and eventually tries to show one of the beaters how how it's done and knocks a bludger into Harry's head. And Harry later later on wakes up in the hospital wing to a, a bemused Ron who is um, honestly pretty happy that McCloggan failed so bad and made them lose the game. Um, Ron does tell tell Harry that that Ginny was in to visit him, and and Harry is is going through going through some feelings about that. Um, Harry thinks more and talks to Ron about how he saw Draco with these two girls, and all he wanted to do was find out what the hell he's up to. Um, but he had to be at the Quidditch game, and suddenly a light bulb goes off over his head, and he calls Creature, um, who is currently and like as he like teleports in, he's like mid brawl with Dobby, um, and Harry uh, tasks both of them with tailing Malfoy to find out what the heck he's up to. That's the end of the chapter. So you, you said it right there. Oh! Elf tales. God damn it. This whole time I was reading this, I was like, oh, there's going to be some weird detail about how like house elves have tails that get cut off or something bizarre like that, right? But I think what it's supposed to be is that Creature and Dobby are the elf tales. 
that's pretty cute, I guess. Yeah, they're tailing Malfoy. They're they're tails. They're, I thought that I thought that was kind of cute. It, it that it took me a while, and I could be completely wrong. Who knows? But but that that was my interpretation. I think that of is that definitely title. what it is, just because there's no other possibility. <laughs> yeah. What a ch- hey, where the hell has this Harry Potter been for like the past ten chapters? I don't know. And do you mean Harry Potter as the story or Harry Potter the character? Honestly, kind of both. Mm. Because this, like this scene at the beginning where like all these characters are getting together and like putting their heads together to like, you know, figure this mystery out. This is so characterful for all of them. Mm-hmm. And Harry throughout this chapter, you know, Harry is definitely still being more passive in this chapter but like he finally has a reason to be because he's like he's in like information collecting mode right Mm -hmm. which is so much more refreshing to read like him because because we're getting like him talking to people and like them giving their actual opinions and like like giving us the reader information that we can use and like seeing harry process that information and come to his own conclusions like that has not happened I think in this book since before he got to fucking Hogwarts. Right. Every character he has spoken to about the mystery in this book for 19 chapters or so now has just said, I don't care. You're obsessed with Malfoy. This is boring. And like, like has nothing to offer him. And here, you know, even though, you know, Ron does, you know, Ron still does say like, oh, I think you, I think you're barking up the wrong tree with Malfoy. Like all of these characters are like, now something has happened that affects all of them and mm-hmm. they are sharing their opinions on it. And I'm like, this could have happened like in chapter eight or something. It would have been fine. <laughs> right. Like, it would have been great. <laughs> it, it's so weird to see these, the elements kind of finally come together but it does feel like it's so late because they're not very complex and there aren't very many of them this would be like an incredible i mean granted i mean i guess it's not really novel of me to say like if the rest of the book was better this chapter would be better right but like Mm -hmm. you know in a imagine this in like a prisoner of azkaban length book like this would be like the middle chapter or something, right? Yeah. And that pace would work really well. And like I, I, I still think that this chapter is uh uh relatively fantastic compared to the uh swill we have been inhaling for the past few weeks. Right. It is a chapter that like I think is also very well served by the way we are reading this. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh uh one chapter at a time, uh where we kind of get some space between each chapter. Whereas like Thinking about it in the broader context, it's really funny because, like, it's tonally completely different from every other chapter we've read in ages. It finally moves a mystery forward that has not moved forward since the Hogwarts Express chapter. It makes me really wonder if the Dumbledore subplot in this is necessary at all, or specifically the pensive chapters, right? Is there anything about what's interesting in this chapter that requires any of the pensive stuff like i don't really think so i think the pensive stuff is 100 percent extraneous i feel yeah. like that is a really like it's really early for me to say that mm. and and i don't like completely object to the idea of having this reveal that voldemort has like sacrificed his soul right i mean that's yeah. no it's thematic 
um, it's like creepy, I guess, in like the context of the story. And I think that every single um, like attempt to f- like explain why or show why and the pensive stuff just like kneecaps any interest in that. Right. Because right, I don't care. Yeah. I don't care why. Right. I don't care about the orphanage, and I don't care about his parents. Right. Um, yeah. No. None of that stuff matters. Uh, the what what matters is uh, that uh, you know Draco is up to something. Mm-hmm. Dumbledore is withholding some piece of information from Harry. Uh huh. Like you could cut three or four chapters that we've read out of this and lose nothing from either of those mysteries, right? I, I think the Slughorn pensive pensive um, uh, memory would be a great jumping off point to show Harry and say, hey, I need you to get this memory for me. Yes. I don't know. I don't really know why. Like, I, it's, I still am kind of not totally bought into Harry's quest there. Mm. Um, or if he could have seen it a different way and wanted to find out what a Horcrux was. And obviously like Dumbledore is, is actively dying to one at the right, same time. Right. Um, but this like Dumbledore, like tr- trickle clue to Harry, instead of just pr- kind of presenting the information to him in a limited way that makes Harry want to ask why <laughs> or, <laughs> or like what, what's going on um, and being able to preserve the mystery of like Voldemort's origins, because I, I think this is just a really textbook case of saying too much and making it not interesting anymore. Yes. Yeah, totally. Um, but yeah, no, the, you know, a mystery obviously uh, 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 thrives on like withholding information. Right. And we're mm-hmm. getting so much boring information about the mystery uh, that it that it's sort of like dampened my excitement for it. but like again like this chapter did a great job of rekindling that stuff I think mostly just because finally uh, in the last two I think we are I think I would say we are now entering the last third of this book oh really um yeah yeah uh, this is my, this is my first one that I'm reading is like the Kindle version and I know oh, that it right. I know that it tells me like a percentage um of the way through I am um, yeah. but it it doesn't have that same like physical uh, like f- right. understanding to me of like actually how how far I've come yeah. in this book. But it's so refreshing to all of a sudden have all of these characters like say the one piece of information they have and also their opinion on it right mm-hmm. and like that's so basic but like we have not gotten that for so long and that has been the foundation of like some of my favorite chapters in the series right i mean like every good chapter of uh a prisoner of azkaban where like ron harry and hermione would all put their heads together and talk about the grim or whatever like all that stuff was great um and, it, and it's so so good to see it again here finally and also like like it's i, I don't know like I, I i know i'm gushing about this but like it is it is great to see how char- characterful it all is mm-hmm. like the things that all these characters uh, uh 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 are saying and like are thinking about is characterful like hermione's take that like oh whoever is doing this must be really dangerous because they don't care about the collateral damage where it's like, she's half right. The answer is, is that, 
it's Draco and he's stupid. It's, right? it's yeah, and it's just desperation, right? Yeah, he's he's desperate and stupid and just throwing every idea at the wall. So like that's very characterful. Fred and George just being like, damn, lucky there was a Bezoar there uh, <laughs> is great. Hagrid coming in and immediately like, you know, this is this is a convenience, but it is the kind of convenience that I love when Hagrid gets to do uh you know, waltzes in and like delivers some important information and then goes like, whoops, shouldn't have said that. It's cute. These are this this is how these characters are supposed to behave, and they haven't for an entire book so far. So that was that was just a huge, huge refreshing experience, I think, starting I, this chapter off. Yeah, I I definitely think so. Um I know that Hagrid's like a big guy, right? Yeah. Like very large. Yeah. Like what, ten feet tall? I think we, yeah, I think he's like nine or ten feet tall or something like that. How big do you think a person has to be to have footprints the size of dolphins? <laughs> First of all, a, a frankly, a bizarre. Like, if I if I were like, what does this big footprint like? What's like what if, what am I going to compare that to? <laughs> Having it be a dolphin is so is so weird. I guess <laughs> dolphins are va- vaguely. Shoe shaped. I could have done. <laughs> They're a little shoes. longer than I am at. Like, right? Like, like when I you, when you think of shoes, uh huh. I'm generally not thinking about things that are pointy, uh, 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 on both ends, right? Like a dolphin is. Like a tube with I. I <laughs> a dolphin is a tube that is pointy on both ends. With yeah, I'm just dissecting this. More or less, they're kind. I mean, there's yeah, they're the, very the, tube shaped, right? Yeah, the tail fins, I guess, are coming off of the back point. But I'm just, I can't get over Harry looking at Hagrid's footprints and be like, "Damn, that's as big as a dolphin." <laughs> what? <laughs> Where has Harry ever seen a dolphin? Maybe at the zoo. I don't. No, maybe I mean, we, probably maybe not. Gotta... Though I feel like dolphins are not often at zoos. Yeah, I feel like they would, I, I don't feel like the Dursleys were taking him to many aquariums. You know, was like, Harry thinking of like a small porpoise? I just think that doll like when I picture a dolphin, I'm like those those are some big big fish. I know they're not fish. Yeah, those are some no, big I, marine mammals. Those are yeah, those are some large porp porpoisoid. Is that a word? I I don't know. Damn, Hagrid, <laughs> your feet are as big as dolphins. <laughs> I do like that he broke his crossbow. Yeah, because he's like 30 feet tall. If his feet are as big <laughs> as dolphins. <laughs> oh, no wonder he's breaking his crossbow. I think that dolphins are probably like six feet long, right? Are, mm, I mean, I, I think, think that there are different okay, kinds of dolphins. I'm going to, you know, I've, I think the I've, okay, I've, platonic ideal of dolphin is the bottlenose dolphin. Yeah. I will. I am going to look up how long a dolphin is. Oh, they're like fucking 12 feet long. From one, yeah, 5.6 feet long to 31 feet. Oh, that's a killer whale. <laughs> okay. Bottlenose dolphin. Yeah, okay. Dolphins are really big. D- yeah. Damn, Hagrid. You Those got some, some big-, big feet. <laughs> <laughs> I. When I was a kid, I loved, I mean, I, I still, I still like dolphins, but I was like 
dolphin was like my animal, right? When I was a kid, yeah. like it went, it went from dinosaurs to dolphins was like yeah, my obsession beautiful. as a kid. Um, and I did swim with dolphins. Uh, I, I, I got to, that was like a big, a big vacation thing. Like, right. It kind of scared the shit out of me because it, uh, it, it was one where they had like trained it a uh-huh. little bit to like, to, to, to play with you. Sure. And it, it, it comes up and it kisses you. Right. Um, but what the experience of that felt like, cause I was like. 11 12 sure it, it just felt like a giant animal had just like knocked me in the face with yeah. its face yeah they're they're very they're large water aliens we are finding out and we as we are finding out they are uh six to 12 feet long so and i but i will say throughout the whole experience never once did i say damn that looks like Hagrid's feet. Damn, that would be a big, big man to have <laughs> have feet that look like that. That are <laughs> if, dolphins. If this was a guy. If this was a guy's foot, he'd be at least thirty feet tall. <laughs> I'm sorry, I got very stuck on that. If this is a genuinely hilarious chapter, mm-hmm. which we have not gotten in a while. Yeah, like we've got the like ongoing drama between Ron and Lavender. We've got uh-huh. Luna commentating. Yeah, we've got. Draco's sarcastic insults. There's a lot here. Mm-hmm. What's after? What's after the the hospital wing scene? Is it Harry just kind of wandering around? Uh, yeah, he's just really thinking. He's got a lot. He's got a lot on his mind, but he can't quite figure it out. Yeah, he's he's uh he's got a lot on his mind, and I do I I do find it super. Like I know I complained about this in an earlier chapter, but I think it's a much better manifestation here. Uh, of him caring about something more than Quidditch. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you one... think of the kind of... Here's the thing about Harry, and it, it's like two things that I'm trying to reckon yeah. with. One, he he as a character is the, the, the cool guy protagonist that you're just supposed to like wholesale, mm-hmm. right? He doesn't have very much like unique about him. He He really is just like the the reader surrogate character that is just good yeah. good and right all the time. Yeah. That's fine. Can we square that with the like weird thread that he has throughout this book, which is like becoming obsessed with stuff. I, I keep going back and forth on this because I think in this chapter it works really well, finally. But I think that that is primarily because the other characters finally give him an inch, right? Yeah, and not so- much of one though. Not much of one. Like they but still, enough... they still are like, yeah, he's probably up to something. But you got to go to Quidditch. You're the captain, right? It's 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 enough where he's like still moving forward with his thoughts, which uh-huh. he just hasn't been for the longest time. Right? right, he's just been obsessed and like not, but like not obsessed enough to really like think too hard about it. Is the funny <laughs> part, like he still has not figured. Like like the room of requirement almost crosses his mind in this chapter. But like you know, just because something distracts him, he 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 moves away from that revelation. But yeah, it is a little odd, and it you know what this chapter, you know what this book has felt like, and like what this chapter feels like. And this is not really a criticism of this chapter, but like I would, I this is how I would describe like part of why this chapter was such a relief. I think mm. this chapter feels like. When you've been stuck in an adventure game or something for a really long time, mm-hmm. and you finally figured out like what item you were supposed to equip or find or character you're supposed to talk to to move things forward, right? Sure. I guess I'm just trying to tell if the reason 
that the obsession thing keeps coming up or rather other characters accusing him of being obsessed is this like mark of him as a character becoming more mature than his school age friends or if that's just or if it's just completely random and I'm reading too much into it. Yeah, I don't know cuz hmm. yeah, there there's I I I don't know if that's intentional because like the payoff is that like his paranoia is just going to be correct. Right. Which which is not uninteresting. But it doesn't really say much other than, like, he is the main character and he has to be right, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I think oh, – you, you mentioned this, uh, uh, how this chapter in many ways has some very specific callbacks to Chamber of Secrets. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's Ring Theory. <laughs> we're, we're back to Ring Theory. Ring, Ring yeah. Theory is, is literally a character saying, this is like Chamber of Secrets. <laughs> this is like Chamber of Secrets. just like the second year. Yeah. Um, and I think – there's an odd friction there because one of the biggest moments in Chamber of Secrets was them suspecting Draco of something, tracking him down, and finding out that, like, you know, he obviously is, like, happy about the shit that is going on, but is not involved, right? Mm-hmm. And now we have a situation where like Harry suspects Draco and like, he's been wrong about Draco before, but we know he is right because he has to be, because that's the story. But like, it, it's weird that it's sort of, especially because it is making direct comparisons to chamber of secrets. Mm-hmm. It's kind of interesting that there, so far at least it doesn't feel like the Draco obsession thing has a thematic connection to Chamber of Secrets. It's it is so weird though to specifically call out obsession multiple times. It's yeah, like a, it's like a key word at this point, and to have the story not be about obsession, right? Yeah, at all. I don't think. It, oh, I, well, it's it it is, but like in a way that doesn't relate to Harry at all. Like the only parallel with obsession is Voldemort. Right? Is like oh, he's so obsessed and he'll do anything. To get the Horcruxes or God, whatever. God, why did they make him a cartoon psychopath? That just ruins <laughs> Right, It yeah. really does. I can't believe that. Yeah. So I'm like really there, stuck there, on that, too. <laughs> there is a parallel there. Sure. But it's like, eh, eh. It's, it's like not enough to make the Harry obsession, because they're not comparable, right? Mm-hmm. Like, Harry, Harry suspecting that the Nazi kid is doing Nazi stuff <laughs> is... <laughs> a lot more plausible than, than, you know, that's a lot more reasonable than Voldemort being obsessed with living forever and wanting to uh, uh, make a phylactery. Right. I mean, I, the other thing that it, it keeps calling back to that Harry's obsessed with is, is that the book is his dad. And it's like, Harry, you're obsessed with this book right, being yeah, your dad. Obs- and also that the Draco Malfoy is doing evil stuff. And that's stupid for some reason. I mean, this this is this is uh, this is uh, uh, Harry experiencing what I went through as a kid. You're you're Zizi. You're too obsessed with dinosaurs, and you're right. also getting obsessed with dolphins. Right. <laughs> you've got to you've got to do something else with your life. Yeah, I mean, it, and it's so weird because there's almost a story happening here about Harry caring about serious shit and 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 his friends being like, "What about school Quidditch games? What about you know?" Right. T- tests in school, but I don't think it it really goes there. And also, what it reminds me of this is gonna this is gonna be a a really weird poll. Mm. It reminds me a little bit of um, when in the last battle uh, in mm. uh, in Narnia, mm-hmm. 
when all the kids go to heaven and then Aslan turns and says, like, Susan doesn't get to go to heaven because she got obsessed with boys in lipstick. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> and, and it is that kind of reversal, um, which is the these kids were fighting against the forces of good and evil when they were 12. They were the kings and queens of Narnia right. as, as children. And now that they've grown up, they have like become obsessed with like material things. Right. And won't, and won't, won't fight the good fight anymore. Yeah. And, and like that, that is, it feels like you're right. And that like the, the hairy obsessions stuff kind of feels like that. Except that the things that he is obsessed with are also entirely frivolous, right? right. Like, and that, that that's the part where it gets really confusing is it's, it's not like Harry is like, oh, uh, you know, when I became a man, I put away childish things and sort of saw the world through a mirror darkly. Mm-hmm. It's him saying, uh, when I turned 16, I got obsessed with the annoying bully in my class and uh, <laughs> a, a book that I think is my dad, right? Like, it's, <laughs> it's, it doesn't really have the same thematic weight to it. Uh, and, and I'm curious to see how that will pan out, I guess, because again, like the only thematic parallel I can draw is that like, oh, we're trying to create a parallel between like Harry's noble obsession and and Voldemort's evil obsession. But right now it's more like Voldemort's evil obsession and Harry's dumbass obsession. Right. Right. I just am so like slingshotted around between like what these characters have been through and, and this like going back and forth. And these are like kind of two like disparate elements, but going back from like Hermione getting very political in book five and being very upset, like, Oh, you want to teach theory in class? I don't care about this class. I care about the real world where the real shit's happening. Mm-hmm. And then we go to this and, 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 and romance is blooming and all of that. And it's like, Harry, will you stop caring about the forces of good and evil and just care about your <laughs> stupid Quidditch game? <laughs> yeah it's it's weird i like yeah it, it is like i said it's definitely refreshing to see all the characters at least like engage at all with the mystery at the beginning of this chapter mm-hmm. but it is also still very strange that these characters who when they were 11 uh uh fought a magical dog and solved a potion riddle right mm-hmm. to uh uh you know, they they turn sixteen and they're like, oh, "That shit's boring." Like, I want to, I want to play sports. I want to make out. And it's like, really? Like, <laughs> it's it's like a weird backwards. Uh, it, it's like the it's like the it, it's like the the backwards version of how this story normally goes, which is like, Harry, you are so uh, uh, devoted to uh, 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 having your your cool adventures or doing your work that you forgot about you know the, the fight at home or whatever right mm-hmm. but instead it's like harry uh uh you you are missing all of the dumb shit that we're supposed to do as teenagers <laughs> like, right can't you just which i guess could be a story but i don't yeah, think that's there, i mean there's one there it's just uh, it's just not trying to be about that no i do i do find that pretty funny i will say though i love McCloggan now. Yeah. Like this version of McCloggan is so, is so good. This, this, the Quidditch game and the McCloggan stuff is just like the CW presents Harry Potter. It's so good. Like, like the, the, from the moment he appears after the hospital wing scene, he's like, Harry, I've got some great ideas for the, for the <laughs> team. I am on the team. Right. Cause, cause Ron's at, like, where was this character hiding the whole time? 
Because, like, the, the, we, we, we kind of discussed this previously when he was introduced, is, like, it's, it's odd to have uh, uh, Harry's new rival be a jock mm-hmm. stereotype when, like, that's Harry. Like, Harry's the jock. Mm, no, because he's the, the reader stand-in, always good and right all the time, so. <laughs> that's true. But also the jock. Yes. But, like, now having McLaughlin be, like, Hermione for Quidditch, right? Right. That's such a good version of this character. Uh, that's, that's like, I, 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 I love this stuff. Uh, this is the whole thing with him, uh, uh, pestering Harry in the halls about strategy, which again is like a fun parallel back to Oliver Wood. Right. Mm -hmm. But now that Harry is the captain, it's not his captain, like hunting him down and teaching him theory. It's like, I'm the captain and this fucking guy the like the bench warmer keeps coming up to me and and get offering me strats like 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 that's a really fun reversal of that that mm-hmm. little subplot yeah yeah i i i like this version of the character i guess the real answer about the about the turn though is that he really just is a joke character and to the yeah. story being being a violent misogynist is a joke Right. Yeah. Yes. It's it, it's that he has always been a joke character. It's just the joke that he's telling this time is a lot funnier. Yes. Yes. Than, this, than is a, this is a this is a joke that I that I can enjoy. Yeah. 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 That's that's a lot more palatable for sure. And like likewise, I will say, I do still think it's a bummer that Lavender's entire raison d'être is the Ron plot, but it was still cool to see her. Like, she says some full sentences in this chapter, which I don't think we've gotten really so far. Yeah. It's really, this scene, I think, was good. I wish that it wasn't so, um, so intent on me thinking that Harry is just in the right here because I, mm-hmm. I read what Lavender says and I'm like, oh, yeah, she's right. Like, like, Ron has been dating her for presumably months. Yeah. And now she's just getting iced out for no reason. Like, she's right. Everything she says is correct. Yeah, yeah no, every, everything she says is correct. She's right to be upset. Um, but, yeah, we we are we are only supposed to hate her because she is, like, in the way of a main character mm-hmm. at this point, right? Yeah, her, her character is, like, joke annoying, right? And Hermione, like, obstacle that Hermione has to overcome. It's weird how much she occupies the exact same space as Floor. Um, yeah. like, both in this book and book five, like, the, the idea of, like, annoying girl is really constant in this series. Mm-hmm. And it's a little, I don't know, like, it's weird. Like, I, 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 you know, I don't think there's much new I have to say about it that I haven't said in, like, previous episodes, but where this is read its head, but, like, it's, uh, it's just baffling every time. It's like, like you say, like, you know, if if the if this story was giving us a little bit more about Harry's character, this would be fine. But mm-hmm. because we, we he is, as you say, the reader insert and he is supposed to be like pretty much right about everything. Right. Uh, him just being annoyed by this girl who is like naturally upset that her boyfriend is ghosting her or whatever is weird, I guess. 
Yeah, and and to be to be a little fair to it, when Harry does meet up with Ron after the Quidditch game, he does kind of scold Ron and say like, "Hey, can you not pretend to be asleep when Lavender comes and visits you? You fucking coward!" I mean, that's not yeah. really what he says, but it is, you know, the the essence of it, and that's and that's true. But it really just does frame her as being annoying, and it it creates like a cognitive dissonance for me because what she's saying is like. I mean, she's upset about Hermione getting more time with him and saying like, oh, well, she just she just likes him and is being nice to him because he got poisoned. It's like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. That's yeah. literally what just happened. It, it's weird. It's weird, too, because almost, you know, McLaughlin is a different character in this chapter. All for the better. Mm-hmm. And I would say that Lavender is a different character in this chap- chapter, mostly for the better. Yeah. But in a weird, like, it, 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 for the better in the sense that, like, I appreciate that her and Harry have a full conversation in this chapter. Yes. Um, for the worse, it is weird that she has been ratcheted down in mm-hmm. this chapter. Like, this is a very weird thing for me to say. But I feel like this this would have been better if she, like, was more of a shrill harpy in this chapter. Sure. like that's Because, like, that's what we're supposed to think about her. And, like, that's the impression that her character has been giving this whole book. I mean, like, you know, the the weird baby talk that she does with Ron, the mm-hmm. um, the way that she is always, like, glued to him, the way she sent him, like, a really bad Christmas present, right? Like, mm-hmm. like <laughs> again, very weird thing for me to say, because I think it's a very boring character archetype. But, like, I feel like this chapter would have been better served if she was more like unreasonably overbearing and annoying here but like as you say she's kind of just correct here Mm -hmm. if she was saying like oh i need to get to the hospital wing so i can give ron this horrible teddy bear or something just give us give us something to cringe about right like on ron's behalf right like 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 anything like like that i think that would go a long way because right now it's just like Oh, I want to give give someone my love and affection, and it's like, well, what what a horrible person for wanting to uh, uh, see her boyfriend after he nearly died, right? Yeah, and and it's just like, and also because I know that the idea is just like this is these are the the events that are leading to Ron and Hermione like realizing their love for each other or whatever. Mm-hmm. But Ron just kind of decides he doesn't like lavender for no reason. I, I yeah, it's got to just be. Is it is it like is it because when he was less conscious in the beginning of this chapter and like he saw Hermione first? Is that is that the problem? Is he like a is he like a like a like a like a bear who like sees you know whatever it sees first? It's like oh that's my wife. Like is that what bears do? Isn't that like bear, bear cubs? If they see, if they see like a, another bear in, at first, like I don't just know. I just thought you were mom. going the duckling direction. <laughs> you know, maybe I'm getting bears and ducklings mixed up. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I don't really I think, know. I don't know what. I don't know about bears. I think that's what bear cubs do. We're, this not, is very... I like this new this new one though. It's it's like when a bear wakes up from hibernation, the first bear it sees, this is my wife. <laughs> Oh, is this my wife? I've been asleep all this is, winter. This is a really animal behavior focused episode. <laughs> <laughs> We're, this, the Shrieky Shack is relaunching Zaboomafoo uh, this year. 
<laughs> We're full of animal facts. Um, dolphins are three to 30 feet long. They are the size of Haggard's feet. Uh, <laughs> and bears and bears marry the first other bear they see after they wake up from hibernation. <laughs> Yes, that's that's what Ron is doing here. I, I know that the like the 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 answer is I guess that he got with Lavender because he was trying to overcome his own insecurity about never kissing that right. his sister accused him of and doesn't actually or never actually liked her. Um which is like sad, and I'm not objecting that to that being in the story, but it just feels like it's so just kind of off off screen constantly. But so it was nice to be able to hear from Lavender a bit, but it is weird to tell that story and also try to square Lavender as annoying and bad in the situation and not like, oh, yeah. Ron is screwing up. Because having a character screw up doesn't mean that we don't like him. Yeah, I already I, don't like Ron, so. <laughs> but 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 I, yeah, I think that that's maybe the problem is that um, – I'm not against Ron behaving this way. Mm -hmm. I mean, like, in fact, I think it's very funny, right? Like the conversation that he he and Harry have where Harry's like, can you just like stop pretending to be asleep when your girlfriend? Like, that's really funny. Yeah. Um, that's, that's such really... teen stuff too. Like that's teens being mean to, to each other because they don't have any experience and they don't right. really quite know how to, how to treat each other. Right. Yeah. yeah that, that, like, that's really funny. I think the, the, the problem is that like, like just like the, um, the Beeswar stuff last chapter. Mm -hmm. It is a character getting out of a, con uh, like a, the, the story, like contorting itself in such a way to make sure that a character never has to suffer any consequences. Right. Um, and like, you know, I, in a story that had almost the exact same pattern of behavior, you could have a really good kind of like, uncomfortable or doesn't even have it can still be funny it can still be comedic but like any sort of ending where you know lavender who up until this point has just been a total joke just said like you know what ron like you're a fucking asshole right like like you're you're, you're not you're not as funny as you think you are you're not as clever as you think you are you used me fuck you right like there there are so many ways that you could have a uh you know these exact same interactions play out with just just a smidge more uh uh sympathy for the other character and also just like uh, uh some some growth for ron uh that doesn't just see him getting out of it completely scot-free because we hate the other character right yeah it's just too convenient and it yeah. also just makes for a worse story i think because i'm just not i don't care about lavender right I also just don't think it's a very good um, set. There's nothing to convince me that Hermione and Ron are a good, like, romantic right. pairing, I suppose. Yeah, I've still, we've still not seen anything. I mean, like, that was the, like, you brought up how, like, shitty McLaughlin was with Hermione, right? Mm -hmm. Just, like, uncomfortable, misogynistic, like, had that horrible date. Uh, Ron really he's not that much different at this point right so far like ron's not Ron, ron's ron's just as much of a fucking asshole yeah to her makes her cry on purpose all the time like i don't know like just really we, we, we've gone into the ron hermione stuff so many times but like it bears repeating here just because like we are now in the end game of this relationship thing right it's just like yeah 
this has not done enough work to make me believe this pairing works. Right. And then I guess we go straight to the Quidditch game, which yeah. is... This is my favorite part. Del- it's delightful. Yeah. It's so good. There's there's so much going on here. One, McCloggan, like we've said in this chapter, just hilarious. Like, mm-hmm. I wish that this was his character the whole time. Two, I don't know. Do we get a reason why Loon is commentating? Or is it just because? Just because. I think it's just cause. Just cause. I don't care. It's great. It's adorable. Uh, uh-huh. It is. It is just. It is just a really funny way to mix things up for Quidditch, which has been, you know, I like Quidditch games have been tired since book two. Really, like, like finding like was was it Prisoner of Azkaban where there's one where it's like Harry just catches the snitch two seconds after f- taking off. Is that when Snape was? Uh, was Maybe. officiating or whatever and yeah. just like oh and he caught the snitch and the game's over like, right it's like like clearly has been a you know thorn in jk rowling's side throughout this series like having to write these games uh and this <laughs> is a really fun way to inject some uh, uh new life into it yeah i'm really sold on luna's character now which i is a surprising development yeah she's great like it, it is goofy and random and very silly but like it is it's never not characterful, right? Yeah. I mean, the joke is still a little bit like, you know, haha sports ball, right? Which is yeah. a funny thing to to be here. Um, I, I kind of like the way that um, Harry's disinterest in Quidditch runs parallel to Luna's, like in, in that he wants to be trailing Draco Malfoy and she doesn't really get Quidditch or the appeal of it, but the idea that they're both just kind of in a world where it's like, we are more interested in, in higher things sort of. Right. Right. Yeah. It's yeah. I mean, and, and I think, I think what saves it is that it's very much in character for Luna to be like, haha sports ball. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, like she would, find that completely bizarre and 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 like luna as much as i love luna she is absolutely the kind of person who who would post like a oh i'm watching the superb owl this right. year right yeah. like like that is her to it to a t like mm-hmm. i i think that i'm a i'm a harry luna shipper now i think that's my my if there was an ideal like canon and ship that I had like if you had to press me on it I think it would be Harry Luna yeah I think they have more in common with- than any like she has more in common with him than any other character yeah they're both outsiders they're both like you know like obsessed with other shit right like mm-hmm. they're both always preoccupied uh they're both they both have you know tragic parent related backstories which is you know isn't a requirement but it is something that like they can bond over right like, they've had they've had like like genuinely touching moments in in the text like relating to that and i and i do like the contrast of of being more interested in in quote-unquote more important things but the way that they express that is so different and and also i think too is that they have a and I, I think I think this is actually something that that works both ways. I think this is, this is something that is great both for a, like a ship or whatever you know, however you want to describe it, or for like a you know a not ship strictly platonic thing. But like I'm still always thinking about how great that scene between them is, where he asks her out as a friend or whatever, mm-hmm. and she is so still like genuinely touched by that. Yeah. And that, you know, that's something that's where it's like, it is both 
great to just write two characters who are good friends and have a mutual respect for each other, right? Mm-hmm. But also, that is, like, even though it is Harry saying, like, oh, we're just friends, like, it is still a more intimate uh, 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 moment, uh, like, you know, it is a, it's an emotional moment between two characters that Harry has never really had with her- Hermione or Ginny or Ron or, like, any other friend, right? Like, yeah. Like, you know, th- that is a relationship that I can see blossoming into a more romantic thing with time more than any other character he's interacted with. I think that Harry gets some, like, a a handful of characters that he just, like, plays really well off of. Yeah. I think Snape's one of them. I think that Sirius is one of them. I yeah. think that Lupin is one of them. Mm-hmm. And Luna being one of them is one that I never, ever would have predicted. But I think that Luna's, like, the last character left that does that for him yeah yeah no i agree yeah i i think that they are they just work really well together for sure Mm -hmm. speaking of characters who work really well together yeah uh this uh 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 scene with creature and dobby just delightful just incredible I think it's just I'm fully terminal case of irony poisoning because I love Dobby so much. Dobby's so good. There, there are um, there are so many good jokes packed into this scene. Yeah. Uh, the best one being, do you want to read the the thing about the the if Dobby fails thing? Oh, let me find it. This is like back to Dobby being at his best when he's like cheerful, cheerful little guy with like solemn butler. Yeah, uh, like dark humor uh, thrown in. Um, uh, Harry gives him his task and he says, yes, Harry Potter, said Dobby at once, his great eyes shining with excitement. And if Dobby does it wrong, Dobby will throw himself off of the topmost tower, Harry Potter. <laughs> it's so good. It's Dobby, don't do it. Dobby, Dobby, do not throw yourself off of any towers, please. Yeah, no, it's 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 the the humor here is back. To, it, it, this is the. Okay, it's it's a much less uncomfortable like version of house elves again. Mm-hmm. The the vibe I get here is more like wizard and familiars, you know. Oh, I didn't even think of that, but I love that. Yeah, it's they're just like the little little demons, little yeah. imps. Yeah, yeah. This is this is Hades giving Danny DeVito and whoever the other guy was a job, right? Like this is it's it's a lot better than you know, and, and unfortunately because of the uh, events at the beginning of this book, what we know it actually is, is like slave master and slave, right? Which is a lot more uncomfortable. Right. But like taking just this chapter uh, as a scene, this part where like Harry is negotiating with creature, like, okay, I need you to do this for me. And you can't tell him and you can't tell anyone else and you can't reveal yourself and you can't do a bad job on purpose. It feels like, Geralt arguing with the genie on the on the Witcher show or something, right? <laughs> like it's so much more playful and fun and and provides a much less nasty vision of how cells do what we they actually are, which is they're all in the kitchens making food for free, which is a lot. Right. I I mean like that's such a good version of creature as a character if he's like the the demonic imp that gets summoned and will will stab you in the back, ruin your yeah. plans if you don't say your request exactly right yes yes that that is so much more charming that is so much funnier so much less gross right like it is 
it's a vision of a much better version of the Harry Potter lore that we get a window into here. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, this this uh this this chapter just a huge improvement. Harry even uses Muffly Auto in this chapter. Amazing. You remembered I, I, the spell. I am, I am not okay with him using a spell on Peeves, though. What is the point of being a ghost if someone can <laughs> use a spell on you? Just like any <laughs> random spell. <laughs> but but still, none, nonetheless, Harry using one of the uh, things that he has learned this book is fantastic. Yeah. I have one other small thing I would like to highlight in this chapter. I have one other small thing to talk about, so you go first. Okay. Drago Malfoy. Uh-huh. The king of terrible insults. Yeah. This chapter has his best yet. You know, he's sure. made sarcastic badges. He's made a song that uh-huh. works better if the other people sing it against him. Right. Because it's sarcastic. Uh-huh. But this time he comes up with the genius insult. You'd better hurry up. They'll be waiting for the chosen captain. The boy who scored. Whatever they call you these days. Oh. <laughs> what is oh, ha- oh, Harry, the boy who scored. The boy that kiss- kicks my ass all the time. <laughs> the boy, like, on so many levels. Yeah, the boy who, the boy who wins at Quidditch every time we face off against each other. Also... The phrasing there, the boy who scored, is insanely funny to me. And that's very makes funny. Me think, like Draco Malfoy is like, oh Harry, you're always getting attacked by Dementors all the time. They should call you the boy who gets sucked off all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> it's just it's just delightful. Malfoy is such a little shit. He's so incompetent. He's, I like him a lot. He's good here. That that was kind of my that was my one last thing. Uh, my one last thing is also about that scene. And it is the, I'm really scratching my head about this one. I know that sometimes Harry has to not know who someone is in order to introduce them to a char- as a character for the first time to ask the audience. Yeah. Harry does not consider, think about, or wonder about these two girls that Draco is with. <laughs> right. Yeah. Who are these two What's Slytherin girls? Who are it's these like, two girls? These two Slytherin girls. And he's not like, oh, I've, I, I know them. That's. Two unnamed characters, right? Right. I wonder why Draco's hanging out with them. But he's so, by the text, obsessed with what Draco could be up to. Mm-hmm. But never is like, why was he hanging out with those two girls I never see him hang out with? Or like like him being, or him, he could even just like note, like, oh, he's not hanging out. Was it Pansy that he was hanging out with on the train? Yeah. Uh, he's like, oh, I guess he, I guess Draco broke up with so-and-so, right? Like, like, like there are ways that this could work playing into his obsession with Draco. Right. Like if he, if he goes and tells Ron, like, hey, I saw, I saw Draco hanging out with some other Slytherin girl and have, you know, Ron and Hermione be like, who fucking cares, man? Like, like that would work. That would be funny. Right. Um, but him purposefully, cause, cause these are presumably the same girls that uh harry ran into uh running through the seventh floor corridor that one time past the room of requirement uh who dropped the flower pot right like like mm-hmm. uh but you know he that's i guess calling that out specifically would be too obvious a clue but, but what what is it obvious about we already know draco's up to something and maybe these girls are in on it right like that's it I guess I'm, I guess I just have a pet peeve, which is clues that are there 
for me to read and but like be- almost metatextually cuz like it's like why why go out of the way to mention it but yeah. to have the character not react or consider it whatsoever well the, the, the weird thing is is that it leaves a good mystery on the table ju- to, so it can just be a clue mm-hmm. because we what do we know about polyjuice potion we know that polyjuice potion turns you into someone but it needs to be like a real person right right like they're not they're not metamorph maguses like they can they're they're not they're not transforming at will yeah um so it would make more sense if harry like saw draco hanging out with i don't know i i can't think daphne greengrass sure both the greengrass sisters or whatever it's like huh draco sure is spending a lot of time with the greengrass sisters maybe i'll ask them what they're what he's up to and then oh, that'd could, be so cool. And if right, they did, and then, they'd be like, what are you talking about? Yeah, like, what are you talking about? I, I don't talk to that guy. Like, like that. There's that's a way to do that, right? Um, but just having them be unnamed girls is a little... It, it, it's a weird thing where it's like, in, in trying to be inconspicuous, it makes itself more conspicuous as a clue. Mm-hmm. So I, I agree. That is a That is a goofy, kind of a goofy moment. And it's just not much of a clue because it's just kind of meaningless. <laughs> right. If it's not just something that Harry's going to investigate or wonder about. Right, yeah. Well, I think it's probably time for us to take a break. What do you say? Sounds good. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. It has now been, what, I think maybe almost a year since Pottermore uh, completely revamped itself. Kicked the bucket. Kicked the bucket. It, it is It is. It is gone. Pottermore is no more. It is now just WizardingWorld.com. Um, and that has been disappointing for a number of reasons. Number one, Pottermore is just a funnier word. Uh, <laughs> yeah, number two, uh, they have really, really slowed down the amount of uh, hilarious features that uh, there are to read. Right. But maybe the worst part is that there's like no more search function. Um, Good website. So, like, I don't know if the archives are just gone or if you just need to have like really good Google skills to find old articles that you remember. Um, Cause the only way you can like get stuff is you, you go to the wizarding world website, you click the sidebar you go to like discover and you go to books. Do you think this is our like, influence? Do you think that they um, revamped Pottermore because of us? Because too many people were <laughs> searching for the is slavery good or bad right, feature. Yeah, like we can't, have, we cannot let the, we cannot have this being, being accessible. <laughs> they're they're like, not going to delete it. But they're not going to let you search for it. Right, right. Um, luckily, I made the discovery that uh, uh, the Wayback Machine, archive.org, mm-hmm. uh, has a pretty comprehensive backup of Pottermore. Wonderful. Um, like, right before its, uh, its transition to Wizarding World. And it is uh, it's very useful because there's a lot of stuff that we are talking about right now that um, would have been useful to know 
during our reading recently. That's really exciting, especially because um, all of the Pottermore articles and features that that typically are, are relevant to books six and seven have always just been nonsense to me because I don't remember these books very well. So right. I'm excited to dive back in. Yeah, yeah, no, there's uh, there's there's some exciting stuff here, and also just some just some classic dumb shit that I found while uh, <laughs> while mm-hmm. poking around. But this is the main one, right? In defense of Ernie McMillan, we have a uh, we have Who, more. Who's attacking Ernie McMillan? <laughs> I think us. <laughs> I, I think we've been like, who is this guy? Why is he here? Yeah, <laughs> but it's more like we're attacking him for being irrelevant. Yes, that's true. Uh, this I think this presupposes that you hate Ernie because of the reasons outlined in the book that he's pompous and he is rude. Is he? Um, I, apparently let's let's find out let's find out what Pottermore has to say here. okay or had to say I guess this is this is this is ancient history now um because this is this is old I mean Pottermore. I think that he was kind of a jerk in Chamber of Secrets too maybe because yeah. was it not him that Harry like overheard like comically overheard telling a bunch of people that Harry was the heir of Slytherin oh right yes that is I think that was him uh, yes, yes. I think that makes so sense. that's oh. so that and his pompous air is why we hate him. We hate him for that. Okay, I'm we just I'm him. just trying to put myself in the shoes of someone that just sit, sit sitting, <laughs> you know, but going about my day and thinking like that that fucking Ernie McMillan still mad about that. Well, you know, like that does sound ridiculous, mm. but like we get a million like. I cannot, I cannot be silent anymore. I must tell the world that if you like Snape, you're evil. Like, like that's, that's, that's mm. every day on the that's subreddit, true. right? So maybe there's someone who feels that way just about a slightly less important character. It's like, <laughs> I cannot stand all these fucking Ernie stands right. pretending that he wasn't pompous it's all time the time. To, it's time to take these Ernie stands down a peg. <laughs> that's right. Uh, it is, it is time. Uh, although he's rarely in the thick of the action, Ernie McMillan definitely makes an impression. Does he? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Starting off on a, with a quite a statement here. You're going to have to grant them their premise to continue. Like a pampered little prince holding court over his nobles. What? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to need to pull up. <laughs> the Harry Potter wiki entry on Ernie McMillan, so I can kind of cross-reference a sure, little bit, yeah. because I want to know every every time. Did they mistake Ernie McMillan for Buster Brown? Maybe is, <laughs> is my, that my favorite thing about the Harry Potter wiki entry um, for Ernie is that the the title of it is Ernest McMillan. <laughs> What is it a picture of him from the movie? I'm curious what their like vision of him is. Yeah, it's it must just be a background shot because I don't recognize. Yeah, I don't think he ever really has like a speaking line. It's definitely from the movie, but Mm -hmm. I have no idea. Yeah, I I, I don't know if he he has a signature though. Ooh. <laughs> on this on his sidebar where it kind of goes through his stats, right? Like his birthday, okay. um, yep. which is mm-hmm. a range uh, between the 22nd of April, 1980 and the 31st of August of 1980. Oh, um, <laughs> okay. Somewhere uh, in there. His, his birthday, blood status, nationality, also known as Ernie, uh, titles, prefect. There's also a signature with a mysterious blurry signature. Oh, it's probably from the DA. Oh. 
Because yes, because he had to sign the paper in the D. There's probably like a shot in the D in like one of the DA scenes where you can see all the signatures on the paper. Here's something cool. intriguing: Bogart, mm. Lord Voldemort. Oh, Patronus Bor. Oh, huh? Did we see that ever? I That's don't know. Sorry, please continue. No, no, absolutely. Like a pampered little prince holding court over his nobles. It's <laughs> clear from the very first moment we meet him that Ernie enjoys being the center of attention. The scion of an old wizarding family. Please do not refer to him as a scion. <laughs> Ernie sees himself as a voice of authority among his peers and revels in his position as their unofficial leader. Keen to impress, Ernie likes to be in the know, which means he can be a bit of a gossip. Despite his often high and mighty attitude, he's not above passing on whispers overheard in the corridors of the castle, and is surprisingly suggestible. Yeah, because he literally is the character that you, like, f walk up to like you're in Fable to overhear a conversation. <laughs> he's, he is the, he's the NPC, like, saying, saying some gossip that you have yeah. to hear. He might be highly intelligent and academically bright, but his need to be right means he frequently makes snap ju judgments and draws clumsy conclusions, leaping from claiming Harry was Slytherin's heir to suspecting Draco immediately after he realized Harry was innocent. Well, so did Harry, though, to be fair. So did everyone. <laughs> everyone. <laughs> Um, so that's not unique. Having said that, he's also very honest. He might talk behind your back, but he'll readily admit to it and even confront you with his evidence. Okay. Of course, he'll be quite theatrical about it, as Ernie likes to keep his audience enthralled, showing off an unexpected flair for the dramatic. He thoroughly enjoys being looked up to, and makes the most of any time in the spotlight by mysteriously lowering his voice for effect or speaking in loud whispers. Okay. I would like... I've been taking... I am taking... Uh, uh, mm, taking an issue with this. I think that this is because they are citing the scene in the library where Harry overhears his whispering. Because he is. I think that is true. <laughs> he's not mysteriously lowering his voice, he's just in the damn library. I think this article is very creative. The problem is, Ernie usually believes what he's saying to be true, and he can be very passionate about his opinions, especially when he thinks someone's up to no good. He's not shy about sharing his thoughts. If his friends aren't around, he'll give his two pennies worth to anyone in earshot, whether they ask for it or not, and is always supremely confident. This can make him seem like a bit of a smug know-it-all, but Ernie is actually very genuine. One of his most admirable qualities is that he can always admit when he's wrong. This is such a fascinating character. This is like he's a main character that we're getting to know here. It's a lot. I don't think there are as many words in the books about Ernie as there are in this article. <laughs> His penchant for tittle-tattle means he has been known to offend, usually Harry, but he doesn't have a problem owning up to poor judgment. He'll willingly apologize if he makes a mistake. Ernie does tend to become quite pompous and formal when he's uncomfortable, making him appear a little haughty. There's definitely something of the Percy Weasley about him. Like Percy, Ernie is also very serious about his reputation and responsibilities as prefect, which puts him in a quandary when he has to sign up to join the, the DA. He likes the idea of being rebellious, but struggles when it comes to actually committing. Eventually, his dissatisfaction with Umbridge's censorship wins out. Er Ernie hates censorship. <laughs> Ernie is like, I can't believe when they brought Tokyo Mirage Sessions over, they censored her vagina bones. I can't... <laughs> 
It's not surprising as Ernie takes a lot of pride in his academic achievements. He can get quite competitive about it. When studying for his OWLs, he drove his fellow students bonkers with incessant bragging and hourly updates about how much provision he was cramming in. Irritating, yes, but his behavior reveals his insecurities. He needs to feel like he's doing more than everyone else. In fact, he's probably one of the few people who would have actually appreciated a bossy homework planner from Hermione. Fair enough. Uh, unfortunately, they weren't friends and never interacted. This is so. such a bad way to think about stories. <laughs> Not trying to get too real with the Ernie McMillan uh, write-up on Pottermore, but sometimes a character is just there to kind of tell the, tell the temperature of what's going on, you know? Yeah. He may have his annoying moments, but Ernie's a good friend. Like most Hufflepuffs, he's fiercely loyal and protective. He comes from a pure blood line, but shows no prejudice, choosing Muggle studies as one of his options and becoming best friends with Muggle-born Justin Finch-Fletchley. He's rarely seen without him or Hannah Abbott in tow, and when he mistakenly believes Justin is the next target of Harry and Slytherin's monster, he does all he can to keep him safe. This has five more paragraphs, by the way. Oh my god, what? <sighs> really went all in they'd really like ernie willen here pottermore one of the most interesting things about ernie is that for all of his hoity-toity nonsense spouting he's actually very genuine and not particularly good oh my god this is this is the third paragraph of them saying he's earnest i'm skipping over this there's a picture on the wiki and it's of um ernie mcmillan and and hannah abbott from the movie and i'm pretty mm -hmm. sure it's a i'm pretty sure it's a scene with no words and they're they're and Harry's looking a little sullen next to them because they're wearing big conspicuous badges. And the caption is Ernie and Hannah Abbott harassing Harry Potter with their badges. <laughs> yeah, this this does mention the badges here too. He's a firm believer in doing the right thing, although he often gets a bit carried away despite his best intentions. Supporting Cedric Diggory with a Potter stinks badge to show his outrage at Harry's illegal Triwizard Tournament entry is no exception. But Ernie also stepped up to help Harry more than once, showing his true mettle when it came to it. Hmm. Uh, it's very telling that Ernie's Patronus is a bore. He can be notoriously pig-headed when he's made up his mind about something and is a powerful presence among his fellow students who tend to na who tends to naturally dominate others. I think Ernie his Patronus is a bore, um, and it's because he goes to Hogwarts, and the reason that his character exists is to uh, basically be like the canary in the coal mine, showing Harry what the what the attitude of the the school as a wider uh like ecosystem is mm. i think his patronus is a bore because he makes me snooze <laughs> took me a second this is can like a, it was just like can elf I get a little tales. golf clap for that one thank you very much so that was Pottermore's incredible defense of Ernie McMillan. I skipped over, no joke, four paragraphs of that. Uh, they really went all in for him. I, I wanted to hear more about their thesis as far as like people being mad about Ernie. Because typically when you write like a defense, it has to be in response yeah. to something. Yeah, defending him from who? From what? Uh, it's, it's, it's all the weirder when you read the like footer here where it uh -huh. says... Each month, Pottermore will try to defend the more questionable characters from the Pirate Potter series. Come oh. back next month when we make the case for Igor Karkarov. Oh, what a what a wonderful series! Yeah, I'm actually gonna click the. E I didn't see this when I was 
scanning this. The grim-faced Durmstrang head was nobody's hero, but his actions in the end arguably did more good than bad. I mean, he was a Nazi. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. Okay, well, that's enough of that one. Let's, uh, Let's move over to this next Pottermore article I selected called Every Time Bellatrix Lestrange Gave Us Nightmares. Oh, I don't want to get nightmares. Bellatrix Lestrange was crazed, cruel, and unpredictable, which made her the perfect wingwoman for Voldemort. She was one of the most terrifying characters from the books, and actor Helena Bonham Carter bought, brought this formidable Death Eater to life in menacing style. <laughs> Devoid of emotion, bloodthirsty, and with a higher regard for the Dark Lord than her own family, Bellatrix was perhaps the only other character to match you-know-who on the nastiness scale. Don't believe us? Read on. I'm very curious if there's going to be anything from Deathly Hallows in this article. Just mm. because I remember Deathly Hallows being like half of a horror novel. Yeah, kind of, there's they spend a long time in like that mansion uh, and that like basement, right? Uh huh. That's like a whole thing. My, yeah. my, this is a tangential observation, but I love that they describe her as devoid of emotion here. Mm. Because this is one of my favorite like weird character design tropes is when you say, uh, a sexy evil lady character is devoid of emotion. What you mean is actually that they are just constantly horny. Like <laughs> that's Widowmaker. That's like every. <laughs> that's right? not like, even Bellatrix though. Yeah. No. She's like highly emotional, right? She's yeah. She's insanely emotional. She's laughing all the time. She's taunting Harry. She gets like viscerally scared when she realizes she fucked up in book five. Like she's, she's yeah. Very Bellatrix emotional. isn't the like femme fatale like like widowmaker devoid of yeah feeling type character no she's she's she she uh, if anything bellatrix is probably feeling too much all the time mm-hmm. Bell, bellatrix is uh Bell, bellatrix is on one i will say absolutely our first glimpse of Bellatrix in the Order of the Phoenix movie made a lasting impression. The image of Bellatrix perched in her cell, caressing her dark mark with her tongue. <laughs> what? Wait, I don't remember that. What? I also don't remember that. I hmm. I thought she just got the comedy walk out and, and laugh at the sky. Yeah, there was like the Looney Tunes music playing where she stepped out of the, <laughs> the, the prison. Yeah, that's the part I remember. Um, then standing crowing in the ruins of Azkaban will be burned in our eyelids forever. Yeah. Number two, when we saw that wanted poster, could a photograph be any more menacing? (laughs) When it featured a ranting and raging Bellatrix thrashing against her chains, no, it couldn't. Three, every time we heard that crazed cackle... There are insane laughs, and then there's Bellatrix Lestrange's manic, merciless mirth. At anything involving pain, suffering, and acts of pure evil, one is significantly more uh, blood-curdling than the other. I thought she was emotionless. Yeah. (laughs) Devoid of emotion, but laughing all the time. (laughs) I think there are just way scarier characters in Harry Potter. Yeah. Like Slughorn. Slughorn's the spookiest character. Yeah, that's that's been my take. I think Barty Crouch Jr. is close. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. The <laughs> laugh is bad enough. Oh, I'm sorry. I need to read the uh, header for this one. Uh, and that vile baby voice. 
it the is lap. Vi- it is truly vile. It is vile. That is. I true. wish. I wish she would not. Helena not Bonham do that. Carter's shitty baby voice is terrible. I do agree. The laugh is bad enough, but the mock baby voice she taunted Harry with in the Ministry of Magic was twisted. It was twisted. Her- <laughs> I hated it. <laughs> showing her total contempt for him and his general humanity. Oh, by the way, speaking of twisted, you know what I realized the other day thinking about Harry Potter? Um, you know, is we we've talked a lot about uh, uh recasting. Like who who would our who would our cast be if we were making our CW show, right? right. Or like the, the reboot or whatever. Um, and there's a video going around right now that's like in my recommendations all the time where it like has Adam Driver in a Snape costume or whatever. It's like recasting the Harry Potter series. Yeah. And I like, I had a real moment where I realized exactly who would play Bellatrix in in an, a reboot or oh, a yeah? CW show or whatever. And it would be Margot Robbie. They would just get... Oh, sure. R- right? Like, they would just get Harley Quinn to do it. Uh, and I don't Huge even... Huge improvement, honestly. Yeah, no, I'm, I don't even mean that as, like, like a negative thing. I actually kind of want to see the new Harley Quinn movie. Like, yeah. I hear that it's pretty good. Um, but I'm like, that is 100% who, who right? Like, that is that is just... It's less of a criticism and more of just like a recogni- recognition of an of an inevitability, right? Like, oh yeah, that is that is one hundred percent. Like, like Margot Robbie is the new Helena Bonham Carter in mm-hmm. in that like typecast. Sense, oh, for sure. Uh, I I think uh, uh, so that that was just something I thought about recently. Next, when she taunted Neville Longbottom. Uh, poor Neville had spent his whole life knowing that Bellatrix, her husband Rodolphus, and Barty Crouch Jr. were responsible for the torture and permanent incapacitation of his parents, Alice and Frank. Her joy in reminding him, again, emotion, devoid of emotion, her joy in reminding him what she did to his family was chilling and cruel. Yeah, that was messed up. That was totally twisted. We will never, ever forgive her for serious. He may have died with a smile on his face, but her triumph at Harry's distress and self-satisfied smirk shows just how much pleasure she took from killing her cousin. Don't even remind us how she shrieked, I killed Sirius Black. (laughs) Don't even remind us. Don't do it. Her woman-to-woman chat with Hermione. (laughs) Here we go. Here we go. Oh... We winced as we saw the sick pleasure Bellatrix took uh-huh. in having a sick real pleasure, life. Pleasure, you say? Mm, uh, in having a real life <laughs> Muggleborn to interrogate and torture at Malfoy Manor. The way she treated Hermione while the others were trapped downstairs <laughs> was genuinely horrifying. Hor- horrifying, you say? It was horrifying because we couldn't see. Oh, I wonder what's happening up there. I just wish I could see what was going on between Hermione and Bellatrix. It sounds like some damn good acting, if you ask me. So, yeah, well, it sounds like they are really going for going for the Oscar <laughs> up there. I just wish I just wish we could see it. Even Pottermore is on this tip. <laughs> Pottermore, <laughs> release the deleted scenes, please. Um. The rest of these are kind of uh, spoilery, honestly, but but we must wait. Plow spoilery on. F- for what? For Harry Potter. I, for <laughs> 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 I 
<laughs> I get, yeah, I guess. I guess it doesn't matter, huh? Uh, the unprivileged. Like, what? What part are we gonna get spoiled on? I'm, I'm really excited to find out. There's a lot more Bellatrix. I guess it's more that there's a lot more Bellatrix than I thought we were getting here. Right. Uh, I, I thought she mostly just appeared to have a woman-to-woman chat with Hermione, and that was all we ever saw. Uh-huh. But apparently, she also attacks the burrow, taking advantage of Harry being away from Hogwarts and Dumbledore's protection. Bellatrix and Fenrir Greyback launched an attack on the burrow, mocking Harry once more about Sirius's death to lure him away from safety and attacking members of the Order, uh, culminating in setting fire to the Weasleys' home. That doesn't happen in the books, I don't think. I think that's a movie special, if I remember right. I mean, I thought that Harry had to. I think I thought I I, I don't know. It's it's all spoilers it's to me. I'm all, not sure. Yeah. Yeah, this is all this is all nonsense to me. I'm pretty sure that's one of like the things people hate about the book or the movies. Is it like, like I can't believe they fucked over the burrow or something, which is or maybe I'm completely wrong, but that that's that's something I vaguely remember. Hmm. Her willingness to sacrifice Draco. Nothing took priority over the Dark Lord in Bellatrix's book when a desperate Narcissa turned to Snape, begging her to help protect her only son from the suicide mission he had been set. Bellatrix was indifferent, telling her sister that she and Draco should be honored to have been chosen for the task. Her joy in the aftermath of Dumbledore's death. While the rest of us were horror-struck at the demise of Dumbledore, the unrestrained joy, again, this character is devoid of emotion, I thought. Mm-hmm. Finally, R.I.P. Dobby. How, oh, shit. How dare she? How very dare she, is all I they forgot. say here. She That's killed true. Dobby. Yeah, that is fucked up. She kills Dobby. It's nice when we can find some common ground with Pottermore. That's true. The best part of uh, uh, Pottermore being only accessible through the Wayback Machine now is that the website kind of half works. And I was really excited when I found this and then disappointed when it turned out it didn't work. But there is a page titled The Dobby Quiz. Uh. Unfortunately... All it says is, are you Dobby's biggest fan or do you need to pull your socks up? There's only one way to find out, dot, dot, dot. And that's the end of the page. (laughs) There's no quiz. It's just this very ominous declaration that there's only one way to find out if you're Dobby's biggest fan. I don't don't need to find out. I... I know. I know that we are Dobby's biggest fans. Yeah, if you have to, if you have to question it, you know the answer. I right. think that's I think that's my uh, that's my opinion on that. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't have time for it, obviously, but uh, maybe for future, or maybe just as a grim reminder of uh, what Pottermore used to be and and how bad WizardingWorld.com is now. Did you know that when the Fantastic Beasts, like the first movie, was coming out, they did an entire series of articles that were like explaining what the 1920s were. <laughs> Um, yes, I didn't know that it was an entire series, but I know that they did have a, um, like, what a speakeasy is Yeah, article. so they, they had a bunch. They have one explaining speakeasies, they have one explaining, um, the, like, the skyline. It's like, here's all the the buildings from 1920s New York. Uh, they have one which is broad, it, there's one that's just, like, a broad, like, here's 1920s New York, and it's about, it, it's kind of interesting in that it, like, it talks about how there's a wizard speakeasy, blah, blah, blah. And then the rest of the article is about, like, Harlem, which is way more interesting than anything that happens in the actual movie. Uh, yeah. Um, and then finally, the one that I am just so, like, 
simultaneously tantalized and like scared of is they have one uh dedicated to explaining boom and bust and i would love to know pottermore's like breakdown of the uh the economic situation in 1929 <laughs> like I'm, that i'm dying to hear that that is it's very long so we will we will file that one away for another day <laughs> I, that's that's education corner let's do some learning yeah uh, segment yeah yeah I, sometimes i feel dumb as shit so maybe we should maybe we <laughs> should uh put our thinking caps on sometimes and sometime in the third in a third segment and, and learn some stuff and learn about boom and bust and pottermore <laughs> it's, it's about time we learned some stuff on this podcast <laughs> It's about time we expanded our brains, expanded exactly. our knowledge. Okay, so I will I will leave that as a teaser for for maybe next week or or some other time. Um, but what do you say we take this one to the close? Sounds good. All right, our theme song is Hot McGonagall by Cheshire Moon. Huge thanks to them, as always, for letting us use that as our theme song. You can check them out on Bandcamp, and you can check us out at patreon.com slash streetcast. We have lots and lots of bonus content for you there. We've got Let's Plays. We've got podcasts about bad books we've read that aren't Harry Potter. We've got, hey, we talked about uh, Higurashi this week. Uh, If you want to hear us talk about some anime, Uh, there's, there's so much there for you. If you just send us a little $3 subscription. And Liz, what are we reading next week? We are reading chapter 20. Hmm. And it is called Lord Voldemort's Request. And I think it's another pensive chapter. Uh, I knew it couldn't last. Uh. I knew it couldn't last. Um, well, I'm... I, I was about to say I'm looking forward to that, but I guess I, I it's more that I have trepidation. But either way, please read another book. Please read another book. There's a lady here that makes ocean rolls seem tame. But I know what you're after if you catch a eye. Cause this hot mama is just a cat in disguise.